Hey everyone, I'm Gary Hoban and welcome to Refinery Life Australia. If you're on the Gold Coast, come and join us as we meet together and we share in the word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. If you're on the Gold Coast, it's a great place to come. We're a friendly family church and we'd love to see you all there. But before we go any further, join me in the Lord's Prayer. Now, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he said, do it this way. He said, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue on with our Old Testament prophets today, because the Old Testament prophets were primarily foretellers, not foretellers. They communicated the message of God to the needs of the day. Listen to the major, me major message of the minor prophets is the title of the series we're working through for the next few weeks. In fact, it'll probably end up being about 12 weeks the way we're going. God's just giving us more and more information. And this is an extension of a, a series we did about two years ago now, which was listen to the major message of the minor prophets. This is just an extension of that. And today we're talking about Hosea. Time to seek the Lord. The text we're concentrating on is Hosea 10.12. It says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. What a great piece of scripture that is. And the scriptures we're going to work through, and I encourage you to read the whole book of Hosea, but we can't cover it all today. Is Hosea 10, 12 through to Hosea 11, 9, and then we'll work through Hosea 14, 1 to 4. So let's pick it up. We've just read verse 12. Let's pick it up in verse 13. It says, you have ploughed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way, in the multitude of your mighty men. Therefore, tumult shall arise among your people and all your fortresses shall be plundered. Al Shalman plundered Beth Abel in the day of battle. A mother dashed, upon, sorry, dashed in pieces upon her children. Verse 15, thus it shall be done to you, O Bethel. Because of your great wickedness at dawn, the king of Israel shall be cut off utterly. God's continuing love for Israel is what it starts to talk about then from verse 11.1. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals and burnt incense and carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk taking them by the arms, but they did not know that I healed them. Verse 4, I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take their yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. He shall not return to the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king, because they refused to repent. Let me tell you, our current governments will be your king if you refuse to repent. Verse 6, and the sword shall slash in his cities, devour his districts, and consume them because of their own counsels. My people are bent 
on backsliding from me. Are you a backslidden Christian? If you are, get yourself back into a church. Verse 7, my people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none at all exalt him. Are you calling out to him in your day of trouble, but you're not giving him the credit and the respect and the authority that he deserves in your life? Verse 8, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over to Israel? How can I make you like Admar? How can I set you like Zeboam? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute my fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come with terror. Praise God for that. Let's look at Hosea 14, 1-4. And then we'll get into the message. And again, I encourage you to read the whole book of Hosea. And read it to understand it. 14, 1-4 talks about Israel restored at last. It says, O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Church, return to the Lord your God, because you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we any more Sorry, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our gods, your work is not your God. For in you the fatherless finds mercy. I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. Praise God for that. His anger has turned away from us the moment we repent. The moment we repent. Now the book of Hosea is a, is a story of infidelity and cheating and lying, and, but also love. Hosea was called the prophet of the broken heart. His experience demonstrates that love yields the sweetest joy on earth and also the most profound sorrow. The framework of this book is that of a shattered romance, a tale of unfaithfulness to the marital vows. This, that this prophecy is the word, the very word of God is evidenced in the fact that this sordid story has little appeal to the secular world. But it runs much deeper, doesn't it? The secular world is used to cheating and lies and stealing and that sort of thing. You know, I believe it's around 60% of marriages fail. They end in divorce. That's a sad statistic. And against the backdrop of his own personal problem, his shattered home, his betrayed love, Hosea received a vivid revelation of the very heart of God. He was able to see that God too was a sufferer, a victim of unfaithfulness. Israel was the unfaithful wife. We can change Israel for Christians or church. Was the unfaithful wife. And God was the wronged husband, the victim of his beloved's infidelity as she deserted him to go off after false gods. Have you gone off chasing false gods? If you have, it's time to come back. So great was Hosea's love. So gracious was his forgiving heart that he searched and found Gomer. He found his wife, who had long since been deserted by the men that she chased. And he took her back into his own home. After that experience, he preached God's love for Israel and pleaded in verse 14.1. 
O Israel, return to the Lord your God. At Refinery Life Church Australia, myself and Pastor Amanda, we are pleading with the church, we are pleading with backslidden Christians, return to the Lord your God. Hosea anticipated what is written in John 1.11. It says, He came to his own and did not, and his own did not receive him. Think of that. Jesus came and he was not received by his people. The one who was a man of sorrows and grief acquainted with, uh, sorry, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, it says in Isaiah 53.3, was Jesus. The prophecy of Hosea falls naturally but unequally in two parts. Part one is God's word through Hosea's marriage and revelation through heartache. It tells us that in verse 1, 1 through to 3, 5. Verses 1, 2 through to 9 record the details of Hosea's marriage and his children. Verses 1, 10 through to 11 are the account of the restoration of Israel and Judah. Let me tell you, if you're going through this book and you're thinking, well, there's a lot of stuff here, you, know, you can probably find a lot of your own life, a lot of your own childhood, a lot of your own family in this book. In verses 2, 1 through to 23, we see the lesson that Gomer's unfaithfulness to Hosea is symbolic of Israel's unfaithfulness to God and the moral of her, that Hosea's love for Gomer illustrates God's love for Israel in verses 3, 1 through to 5. And part 2 is God's word through Hosea's messages. Revelation through proclamation in verses 4, 1 through to 14, 9. Let me tell you, as, as you read the word of God, you will get revelation. As you proclaim the word of God, you will get revelation. As I prepare a message each week, only about a third of what I preach is actually written down. The rest is revelation of God speaking to me while I speak to you. A historical retrospect in Israel's current crisis is in verses 9, 10 through to 12, 14. If you read that, you'll see that we're not in a very different situation now. It's very similar. And the ways of life and death in verses 13, 1 through to 14, 9 aren't much different either. Hosea wrote through turbulent times. He was in the last years of the reign of Jeroboam II. We're in turbulent times now. Times had been good and were now turning bad. Same thing now. After Jeroboam came a period of anarchy. Anyone who's been living in the last couple of years has seen the anarchy. But there was also a period of assassinations and confusion after the reign of Jeroboam. In quick succession, Zechariah, Shalom, Pekahiah, Pekah, and Hosea came to the throne, and all but the last, all but Hosea came through slaying his predecessor. Confusion in the nation reflected the confusion in Hosea's own home. If you've got confusion in your home, have a look outside. That's probably where it's coming from. You may even be adding to the confusion on the outside. Sin was everywhere. Again, nothing different today. Hosea 4.2 says, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. That's Hosea 4.2. Nothing is different. Yeah, we may not be killing and committing adultery, but we could be swearing and lying. 
That is the fertile field of ripened fruit from which our text is taken. Let's look at Hosea 10.12 again. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up all your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. These words are no random saying out of touch with the main line of the book's thinking, is it? This is the heart of God's appeal to Israel, and it is God's appeal to us right now. If the time to plant seeds has passed, the farmer sows his grain with more diligence. If a farmer has missed the time of planting and he's coming to an end, he will plant those seeds to ensure he gets the bumper crop. He will make sure they're planted correctly. Seeking the Lord is the privilege of every day, but there are special seasons when by his providence and his grace, it is time to seek him in a peculiar and urgent manner. How potent is this text against the background of Hosea's day? And how pertinent is it for today? It is time to seek the Lord. So for who is it time to seek the Lord? It is time to seek the Lord for the councils of the world where representatives of nations meet. Only God can transform the United Nations into an organization for good because at the moment they are not. But until now, he's been left out. His name is not in the charter, nor is his name mentioned in their discussions. It is time to seek the Lord in the parliaments and congresses where the fate of the people hangs in the balance. That's our governments, people. These lawmakers have a huge responsibility. Whether you like what they're doing or not, whether you like what they're doing to us or not, do you pray for them? Because you should be. It is time to seek the Lord in our own government. There's nothing more shocking than news of corruption and double dealing and the lies that come out of our national and state leaders, especially our state leaders. You know, they, they agree to something and then two hours later, we all know that it was a lie. There's no shock here unless it is the failure of the people in general to be shocked by it. People, we need to start getting shocked when our leaders don't do what they say they're going to do. Remember, they work for us. We don't work for them. It is time to seek the Lord in our communities. Many pastors measure the success of their church by attendance. You go to a conference where there's pastors, and you guarantee the first question you'll be asked by many is, how many people have you got in your church? But if they only knew the number of people who lived in their city, and then they subtracted the number of church attendees from that total number, they'd discover how many people don't actually attend any church at all. It's time to wake up, church. Your church numbers don't matter. Yes, it's good to have a full room of people, but what about all the people in your city that don't go to church at all? What about those backslidden Christians? What about welcoming them back? It's time to seek the Lord in our churches. The indifference, the lack of interest in inviting people to church, the few who are being one outside of the families in our own members to God, the failure to train leaders that have a call, and that call is not just entertaining people. All this is appalling. 
The church's failure to train leaders a generation ago is being reaped in the lack of leaders now and a weak church. It is time to seek the Lord in our hearts. Our hearts are cold. Our minds are divided. Our hands are idle. Dutifully, though not joyfully, we haul our carcasses to the church and we plunk them down in our chosen seat in a sparsely filled auditorium each week. And what happens? Nothing. Nothing at all. Friends, it's time to seek the Lord. Now, the second point today is why is it time to seek the Lord? Why? Why should we be urgent? Why should the Christian's witness be, as Timothy said in 2 Timothy 4.2? Preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Why should the unsaved person give them more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest drift away, it tells us in Hebrews 2.1. Why should the unsaved listen to us when we do exactly what the world does most of the time? Why? Let me give you some reasons why now is the time to seek the Lord. The time for sowing is passing. The harvest time is coming. And what will be the harvest? It all depends on whether we seek the Lord or not. It all depends on what we've been sowing. We're not going to sow an onion and get an apple. It's not going to happen that way. We're not going to sow evil and get good. Our exact image of what it's going to look like is Hosea 10.12. Let's read it again. There's a reason this verse is in this message so many times. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Keep seeking him. Don't seek him once. We are already beginning to see the harvest in secular education, aren't we? God has been removed from our schools. He's been removed from our workplace. He's been removed from many of our families. May have even been removed from some of our churches. So what we're seeing in our education system is what we sowed a generation ago. We're already seeing the harvest of the influence of pornography and violent video games and violent TV shows and the glorification of drugs. A pastor, a friend of ours, years ago said to us, society won't realise what sort of trouble they're in and how far they've messed up until grandchildren are beating up their grandparents. Let me tell you, that's where we're at now. The young people have no respect for the elders anymore. We are reaping what we've sown. It is time to seek the Lord and keep on seeking until he comes and rains righteousness upon us. The time when we may seek the Lord is coming to an end, and it will end. The owner of the fig tree had sought fruit for three years, remember, but to no avail. We spoke about this parable a couple of months ago. You can go back and have a look if you like. His patience ended, and he said to the vine dresser, cut it down. Why should it use up good soil? And because of the vine dresser's plea in Luke 13, 8-9, he said, Sir, let it alone this year until I dig around it and I fertilise it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. The day of grace for that fruitless tree was a year. How long is your day of grace? 
The point is that every period of grace has to end. And it has an end. The time when we may seek the Lord will end. It may become too late. The results are immediate and eternal. We have a choice between heaven and hell. It's one or the other. If you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour, it's hell. And you won't hear that in most churches. Those who accept Christ as Saviour are not going to receive eternal life one day in their future. They've already received it. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you've already received eternal life. For the Christian, eternal life has already begun. Praise God for that. Does someone ask, how can I be sure? How, how may I know? This is the plain and urgent word of the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the confirmation of our own observation. Who doesn't know someone who delayed seeking the Lord? Who doesn't know someone who on their deathbed still wouldn't accept him as Lord and Saviour? This is the inward testimony of our own conscience. Isn't your heart repeating the words of the psalmist in Psalm 39.7? And now... Lord, what do I wait for? Because my hope is in you. Let me encourage you as I do every time, every week, to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him and He can make you whole, spirit, soul and body if you will allow Him to. And you're important to God, you know that already. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And I'm believing this year, 2022, is a year of repentance and of blessings. So let me encourage you, start seeking him. And until next time, stay in the blessings.